At the very beginning of this rather elaborate story from the gospel, the disciples, when they first meet the blind man, go to Jesus and ask him, who sinned? Him or his ancestors? Jesus immediately recognizes that his disciples are stuck with a very common, very old misunderstanding. For centuries now, the people of God have often believed that all human misfortune is the result of sin. And all human good fortune is the result of obedience. We think of the story of Job. Job is lying in his bed, covered with sores, has lost his family, has lost all of his wealth, and his friends come to him and say, wow, you must have done something horrible. And Job says, I didn't do anything. And they look again and they say, well, must have been your great-grandfather then. So we pause to ask a very natural human question. Is it possible that an innocent person could ever suffer? Satan loves this question, loves to pounce on this question and say, well, there you go. If you, a good person, are suffering, well, then I guess God isn't as good or as powerful or as loving as he tells you that he is. And again, it is a, all part of a vast cunning conspiracy to separate us from our Father in heaven. And even when we say, no, I'm not falling for it. I do believe that God is as good and as loving and as powerful as he says he is. Now we're back to square one. Well, why does a good person suffer? And again, this is sort of predicated on that second part of the misunderstanding. Look. It's, it's almost like we're standing in front of God as though he were some sort of vending machine with a handful of quarters. And we want to say, look, I'm doing everything that I'm supposed to do, Lord. I said all my prayers. I go to Mass. I made a good confession. I gave to the poor. I'm a good example to my family. Why am I still hurting? And Jesus, if the point of his earthly ministry, if the point of his institution of the church was to eliminate all blindness in the world, he didn't have to do all the things that he did. He could have just snapped his fingers and all of a sudden every blind person in the world would be able to see. This is another very common misunderstanding. Think about the multiplication of the loaves and the fishes. 
All of the disciples who ate the previous day came back to him and said, Hey, Jesus, do that bread and fish thing again. And again, it's natural that they would say that. They were like, well, if he feeds us every day, then I can retire right now. And Jesus is very clear with them. He tells them that I'm not here to eliminate hunger from the world. And goes on to tell them what he is all about. I didn't come here to make this a perfect world. I came to throw open the gates of the perfect world to come. And so, I'm not sure which figure is more pitiable. The one who is stuck in the anxiety and the guilt and the shame that is the inevitable consequence of sin, but use the occasion of that anxiety or guilt or shame to somehow even further estrange themselves from God? Or is it that person who is so self-righteous that they're waiting for God or their neighbor to notice, see how good I am, and eventually wearing themselves out because the reward that they imagine is coming to them never arrives. If it were true that God ever desired that a sinner suffer and remain estranged from him, there would have been no reason for him to come back to the Garden of Eden when sin first entered the world. There would have been no reason for him to give the law at Mount Sinai. There would have been no reason to send prophets among his people to remind them how radically faithful God is to his promises in spite of all of the events and appearances of the world. And there certainly would have been no reason for him to send his only begotten son if it were God's desire that a, suffer, that a sinner suffer and remain estranged from him, the entirety of salvation history would have, con, would have been completely different. But again, as we survey all of these things, salvation history is remarkably consistent. That when we disregard what God has said, when we fail to respond to revelation in the way that God has asked us to respond, when we give in to the temptation of sin and disobedience, the consequences are always the same. But then at the same time, again, regardless of the nature or the extent or the depth or the frequency of that sin and that disobedience, God always stands ready to offer healing and restoring grace 
to the one who comes to him and says with a sincere heart, Lord, I am sorry for the ways that I have separated myself from you. And God always responds in the same way. Not just to forgive our sins, but to take away that horrible burden of guilt and shame and very deep emotional and spiritual pain that it inevitably brings. And having emerged into that state of renewed grace, our prayer becomes this. Lord, I am so grateful for all of my many blessings, for all of the things that went well, for all of the things that went according to plan, for all of the things that I anticipated, for all of the things that I wanted, all the things that I hoped for. But, Lord, I am at least equally, if not even more thankful for all of those tribulations, all of those things that came into my life that I did not plan, the things that I did not want, the things that were unpleasant. Because I recognize now, Lord, that you are at work in all things. And the things that hurt the things that disappointed me are the things, Lord, that you used to bring endurance and character into my life that I never would have known had it not, had it my life turned out any other way. And because I now see, Lord, this new endurance and new character in my life, I am now even more convinced and more confident that you are present, you are active, you are engaged in my life and calling me forward to the restoration of that integrity and dignity and intimacy and love that you have had for me from the very beginning of time. And that confidence, Lord, brings me hope. And hope meaning not just I can look forward to tomorrow or next year, not to mention 500,000 years from now. But I recognize, Lord, that all of these things, which are your plan for my being, is worth everything that I have and am today in order to attain. 